Hello, this is the ML Podcast. Oof. Today's story, we do not believe continue on the malicious mind of Jericho. Right now, we have a new story. One that seems a little bit more interesting. It's a short story. I don't know how long I'll get into this because, again, it's from a dream. Usually my dreams suck. <laughs> it's similar to your desperate housewife story, in a sense. And it's about a house husband who moves into a new neighborhood with his new hubby and his stepkids. And boy. There's some tea. <laughs> there is some tea. There is some tea in this. So we begin in a suburban neighborhood in this small town called Crow Valley. And this suburban neighborhood has been known. To be gossipy in a sense. And they're your typical server in the neighborhood. Like typical housewives. Your typical people. Your typical good neighbor thing. Um, It's a little more diverse in a sense. I want to call that out. So don't imagine a bunch of. Just. don't Just don't imagine it's all people in pale skin essentially. There's many different types of people there. But there are a group of wives who are either single or about to divorce. And they were going to hit on the new bachelor in town. Because a family moves in. Or at least they see a guy. And the first thing he does is mow the lawn. Because the mall is trashy and he finally unpacks the lawnmower. He was completely shirtless and had tattoos. It was a very hot day, of course, so it makes sense why he would be. But the first thing that these women who were about to be, you know, ex-wives soon, did was put cookies in a cookie basket, set up cakes, basically started packing up some fucking goodies to send to him directly. Wink, <laughs> wink. And at least five or six women line up to go send him some goodies and shit. And when he was presented with this, he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? He was just wondering why. <laughs> and then he didn't expect this type of generosity. But he kind of sensed why they were there. And for some reason, he mentions to them, like, oh, thanks, I guess. They all said welcome to the neighborhood, and he's like, okay, nice, thanks. And then he calls out to 
what he calls the angel, but when he calls out to them, he calls out to a blonde with glasses, a male blonde with glasses, a button-up shirt, and long, almost breezy pants, essentially, and had sandals, but the sandals on the bottom had like some sort of heel or like pump to lift you up a little higher. Essentially, <laughs> you wouldn't really have that in sandals, but he has that in sandals, and he walks down the steps after reading a book. He looks absolutely exhausted. And he was carrying a toddler, the most cutest old toddler in the fucking world. A red eye, pale skinned toddler um, with white hair. He's cute. He's so cute. He's so cute. But he's really pale. Like, really, really, really pale. He has a skin condition. Which resulted in him being covered constantly. <laughs> but he looks so cute. And all he's been doing is just eating on a donut, I believe. A small donut. <laughs> and he's just been nibbling on it. <laughs> Either way, the blonde looks exhausted. And... The guy comforted the blonde and said, like, hey, are you going to be okay? So the guy took the baby off his hands and told him to go to bed. And then he called out for someone else. Riley, come down here. He cried out. Riley walks down the stairs. You can hear him walk down the stairs. And finally, exit out of the house. Take some of these goodies on inside. We'll be returning the plates. And... <laughs> Riley! Wow. Loki. Riley's cool kid. Riley... Riley's the type of kid who will basically draw you a mural. He's that cool kid in art class who draws like beautiful pictures. Really beautiful. Like he's the one you expect to be like a graphic designer of some sort. Because he has long hair. It's in a braid. He braid the hair. In a sense. And he has two long strands that were like like, they're impossible to put in a braid. You know how you have, like, those two strands on the side? That just stick out? Like, for girls, or men who have long hair, whenever you put your hair in a braid, you always end up having these few strands that stick out because you can't put them in the braid. <laughs> because A, they're too short to do so. But they're also too long to have just dangling there. So you have to either pin it or just leave them dangling there. It's really funny. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, his hair is like that. Also, his eyes. 
He looks fucking tired too. He he has so much bags under his eyes. <laughs> he has very large bags under his eyes and it's, uh, it's so funny. It's so funny. He's like, you can tell that kid either stays up long periods of night either reading comic books, being on his phone, or just drawing. Like, they don't do... They're the type of kid who waits a fucking, like, for school. Like, they come in an hour late, not giving a shit, not caring if they get attention or anything. They're the type of kid that do that. That's essentially what he is. And it's really fucking funny. He has a gray-ass sweater. He wears all black in the fucking summer. In the fuck, he's, just, he's it's a, okay. Did I mention it's summer? In the middle of summer, it's fucking hot. Majority of the people are wearing either tank tops, shirts with no sleeves, light sweaters. It's fucking hot. And this fool's walking outside with a hoodie and some fucking jackets. It's <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm like, dude. I was stink on it, man. It's like, ooh, the sweat. You probably sweating. <laughs> it, that's just such a I'm sorry. I had to go Google that. And then there was another kid who also come out. Um, Hachiko. Yes. <laughs> Hachiko. Uh, Hachiko is um, essentially Riley's twin brother. And, uh, he looks way different from Riley. He has short hair. He's really fucking short. And he doesn't look as exhausted. But he doesn't look like his brother at all. Like they look There's a common trope with some people who have twins in their stories. Like they have to look alike. They have to dress alike. Or they'd be the same height and you know there's a commonality with twins where like people assumed like people assume twins have to look alike um in real life they don't i have friends who are twins too i have a friend who's a twin uh they don't they kind of look like their sister they kind of but they kind of don't look like their sister essentially kind of thing and there's a thing I want to make sure that I want to be as realistic as possible with these dreams, I guess. So I made it very, very obvious that, hey, they don't look alike. They're not going to. So, yeah, um, Riley and um, Hachiko don't look alike. They're like polar opposites. Of one another. And it's fucking cool. By <laughs> dropping things. Ooh, I'm sorry. But yeah. They're really polar opposites. And um. Hachigo also grabs the basket. And then tells. the One of the girls that her hairband looks nice. One of the women. Or she likes how she did her hair. This particular woman, though, is, uh, is Miss Raymond. Raymond's, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's Raymond's. It's spelled Raymond's, but it has an S. 
and she is Mercy Raymond. And she is like a perfectionist. She wants everything to be perfect in her life. But she herself doesn't feel perfect. She wants to follow things that are like, she wants to have a perfect house, perfect husband, perfect everything. But she doesn't want to necessarily follow. Like her body says follow it. Her mind says follow it. But there's something deep in her heart. This is... This isn't me. I don't feel comfortable with this. And something hints at that later. For now, we're just focused on one family. And right now, we're focused on the blonde. Now, the blonde guy that we ran into that looked tired as fuck is... It's Mika. And it, Mika has a secret in a sense. Very dark secret. In a sense. It's not really a secret to anybody else, but it's a secret to the whole neighbor that he wants to keep. He is also the second member of a housewife thing. And he is a hardworking husband. He works usually in an office. But he tries his best to do as much as he can with what he can got in this life. And how he got to this point in his life, it remains a mystery to him. To everyone. Because you know. We don't want to spit that early. There's another wife. Housewife we gotta go see. It's. Jazzy. She. Is. Her full name is Jasmine. But. She is a. Currently. Arabic descent. And wears a hijab. But she is quite beautiful. Really quite beautiful. Even though you don't get to see her hair, of course. Not saying that in offense. Please do not take that as offensive. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Chill. Chill. Don't murder me. Please. For the love of God. Just have to call out the details because you won't remember them. She wears a pink hijab and... Has short black sleeves and a short black skirt. She was wearing an apron covered in flowers. And was washing the dishes. She went to get water and saw through the window. And... And in a few minutes, her wife comes down the stairs. Her wife is 
इस में हाशी और थकाशी Isumi is a businesswoman, also working in the same company that that Mika will be working in soon. Sorry, I'm keep losing track of these characters. <laughs> And she grabs her coffee and is text- texting on her phone. Jazzy turns to her and says, "We got new neighbors." Isumi smiled. "That's good." But Jazzy sends her neglect. For some reason, their marriage has been sort of silent, in a sense. Jazzy wants actual attention from Isumi, but Isumi kind of not really giving it to her in a sense. She's not paying attention to her at all. Like brushes her off, focuses on her work. When in reality, Isumi is on her phone, but on her Instagram, looking at other pictures of other women. Yeah, Isumi is a fucking hoe. <laughs> Betrayal, there, in a sense. She's too busy looking at other women instead of focusing on Jazzy. But Jazzy's not aware of it, unfortunately. But she does sense something off in her marriage, and she don't know what. But she hopes to find out soon. Then we go to our next couple, our last one, the fourth one, and this time, <laughs> it's a housewife named Rika. Yeah, she's called that. She is a single mom raising her daughter and her baby boy. Now, her daughter is. Like fifteen to sixteen, teenager, and keeps crushing on this boy next door. Unfortunately for her, the boy is not directly interested. She doesn't know that, but she will find out soon. The reason why soon. The daughter's name is Julia, and the boy. Is Nico. 
and this particular day, Rika finally paid attention to the newspaper, which she never does. For some reason, she just doesn't pay attention to that. I don't know why. Um, nobody does that. No one pays attention to the newspaper nowadays, but you know, you should. Because it's an interesting story, and it's a really good paper for your bird. <laughs> If you have one. Rika pays attention to the newspaper and saw that one of their neighbors was missing. Which is strange. She never heard about it before. I guess people were too busy focusing on the new neighbors instead of focusing on one another. Which is strange, but she didn't even mind much. It was a neighbor she didn't know. It was a neighbor who didn't talk to anybody. They have a dog named Rex, who is a Sherman Shepherd. And Julia wanted to go play with him. So, I don't know why he's 16. They know what happens. <laughs> and since it was a hot day, and probably Julia just wanted to go outside to go see her crush on the neighbor boy and all that. So, Rika let it. She didn't want to let him outside earlier because she didn't want him to get heat exhaustion because it's hot outside. It's really fucking hot outside. But she asked her to bring water and a bowl of water for her and a dog. At least, like, just, you know, just to have something cool them down. And to be careful. And, uh, yeah, they went outside. Again, she was staring at the neighbor boy, not minding the dog. Of course. Rex, well, Rex was just sniffing around and all over the ground. And then somebody leaves a fence open. So Rex runs right outside, right across the street, right to the house where that missing neighbor was. That missing neighbor lives. So, the dog sniffs around the area and starts sniffing and sniffing all over the backyard. Julia finally noticed when her crush pointed out, like, hey, uh, your dog just left your yard just now. Julia turned around to see that her dog was gone. She wanted to go chase after it. And guess what? Her crush was a gentleman and went along to help her out. He jumped over the fence and him and his friends also followed to go help her out to get her dog. And then the dog started digging deeper and deeper in the ground for God knows what. But he kept digging and digging and the scary shit fucking happened. When he digged, he found something reddish and pinkish. It had a white middle center. And when he kept digging more, and when Julia kept pulling, when Julia got to him finally and pulls him away, she screamed a blood curling scream. The boys ran to her rescue finally and 
they she just cried to her crush's shoulder and shit. And the other guys were like, holy shit. Because the thing they were looking at was a severed arm. It was a separate arm. It had a phone on there. It had a phone on the severed arm. It was clutching a phone. There was blood on the fingernails. There was a bracelet that said Monica. On like the back of it and in the front of it. <laughs> oh god. In front of it it said to my darling. The thing is, um, this rumor shepherd digged more holes while it was there and it, there was a severed foot and another severed arm. Oh, it, it was so gross. And then like it zooms right in to the foot. The severed leg. And it shows a tattoo. And the tattoo is the title of this little short. And the short is Love Me Not. Or otherwise, Love Me Dead. That's what the story is supposedly named. Love Me Dead. Ooh, okay. I wonder if that's in shivers down your spine. I know it was a long, long beginning, but you know, all it was important to set up a story, so. But at least you got something spooky. This has been ML and the ML podcast, and this has been Love Me to Death. You can hate me, you can hate me, but love me to death. Love me to death. No, seriously, that's a song that popped up in my head. I don't know what the fuck they came from. It's not a real song, I doubt it. I don't fucking say anything. But yeah, peace out, good night. Because I'm doing this in the middle of the night. So, uh, yeah. Bye. Hello. This is the ML Podcast. We continue on with the story, Love Me to Death. Cops were everywhere. News broadcasts were on the corner side. Documenting the news. People were hurt. By the news. Some people were very sad. Because. This wasn't. A type of person who would die. In the most horrific way. Her name was Roxy. Roxy Boy. She just had a pet bird, 
got one barely. It was a baby bird. The baby love bird. And she had a normal life. Like, she was a geek. In a sense. She had superheroes at the place. She had cartoon characters all over her wall and picture frames. She had pretty things like plushies on her couch. She worked online, so she was always home to lend a sh- like a cup of sugar or milk to people. She was actually a very nice person. The neighborhood loved her. What makes even things better? She always had a long line of pets, and oftentimes or not, whenever those pets were to walk away, she'll take it as a sign that maybe the pet wants to be with somebody else, and often gives away pets, which is okay, I guess, to her, in a sense, to like lonely kids who want never pets. She was often really generous, had like a whole freaking closet for her pets. <laughs> she just took care of animals and was filled with life and hope. She dressed up. <laughs> she always had these big sweaters. Moxie was a quiet person who would be the least suspected to be brutally killed in such a brutal manner and knowing that she can be just a random kind sweet girl can be killed in such a manner kind of scares a lot of people in the neighborhood everyone was terrified and had their doors locked which was a rarity in that neighborhood I mean why wouldn't you have a door lock on Mackley I mean come on <laughs> come on serial killers like Come on. <laughs> we we seen enough serial killer documentaries to, you know, get the idea. Lock your freaking door. But, yeah. Essentially. And it was just heartbreaking to know that. What makes matters worse is she uh, had friends. Jazzy. Rika. Mercy. Heck, even Mika was her friend at some point. They both worked in the same line of work and they were co-workers at points in time. (laughs) That's why when Mika heard that Rika, Mercy, and Jazzy had these weird, like, meeting about it. He actually went out to look for them. As usual. They were kind of hot. Like kind of hesitant to. Let a man in. Because you know it's the first time. There was a guy. Joining their group. Now that they're like you know. Had that guy. and it was like it's, it's like. You know how you have, like, that friend group, and then out of nowhere, that one cool, chill dude wants to join your group, and like, oh, didn't know you were into this, but, you know, come along, I guess. (laughs) You can join. 
I mean, it, it's, it, we're gonna be talking about weird shit. <laughs> Are you sure? You sure you're down? <laughs> kind of thing. Like, you, you sure you're gonna be okay with this? <laughs> kind of thing. So. And, uh, they were discussing what happened or, like, what's going on. We can mention that her daughter's still having nightmares. Just, just know this takes place two days after, like, the cops have been there. They're still there. <laughs> it's just two days after, you know, because the daughter's discovered the body. So, just note that. Um, but yeah, and so she's still, uh, doing a like, struggling with it in her mind. She's, she's traumatized. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be traumatized after seeing a fucking limb? I'm pretty sure I would be scared as fuck. And for those who, uh, say, oh, she, I'm pretty sure it's really exciting or anything. Fool, you're finding a severed limb of somebody. It's not, it's not exciting. It's dramatic. Um, but yeah, and, uh, as they were discussing, Mika always brought up this weird, not really kink, but more or less obsession with stalkers. The two always discuss how they would survive a situation with a stalker because they were watching a movie about a stalker. Which was strange because it was a huge parallel. To Moxie's life in some form. Like, for instance, the girl was a nerd. The main character was a nerd. And had, like, nerd decorations and stuff all over their home. Uh, they were also eco-friendly. They loved recycling and loved animals and valued creatures. He brought up. The funny thing is that they were playing around in a group chat and they got too close to somebody online. So close that in fact they started to meet in person. And discovered that the person they met online was a stalker and started to follow them. At first, the victim, the main character, was actually okay with it because they too were kind of paranoid and often is overprotected over like themselves so they were okay with this person just randomly following them around fucking weird honestly I would be like hey keep your distance please <laughs> that's weird oh don't do that And it would start like randomly following them around and oftentimes would break into their home. Okay, and the victim would be perfectly okay with this. Now it get on it started going on and on for a very long time. It wasn't until the victim finally said, Alright, let's start acting like a normal couple and do no more things. For some reason, it backfired. They don't know how. The stories he Mika like remarked. To be honest, I completely forgot about the story. 
or what happened, but all I know is it resulted in the girl being killed in the end of the story. And we joked around how we would survive such a scenario. It's just stupid. It was silly and it was dumb. I told Moxie <laughs> we need to ease down before somebody thinks we're crazy. And she said, I could. I could pull it off. I told her, don't even try it. They're weird. There's a lot of crazy people out there. And we joked. We joked around. Jesse thought it was strange. And asked, So what was this story called? This is where Mika stops and actually thinks about it. Love me to death. That's what the story was called. It was by uh it was by a man named Hmm, what was his name? What was his name? Hmm. Brin Psycho. Yes, it was Brin Psycho. I think it was a comic book of sorts. She always loved comics. Then I'll know where Rika asked. Where did you guys get the book? Exactly. Mika laughed. You can get it at any regular bookstore. I mean, not here, because, you know, it's not one of those nerd types. But if you go to a comic book store, they usually have it in stock. I'm pretty sure you can look it up online. You know, in Audible or something. Matter of fact, I think I know a bookstore nearby here that sells a copy of it. For like, what, $5? It was a pretty cheap book. It was just scaring how it, it was a strickling parallel to Moxie's life. And up to the point of the end. But the strangest thing is, you know, it's not possible. She wouldn't be, she wouldn't pull something like this. Mika joked and told the honest truth that Moxie wasn't exactly a kinder spirit like she was. was. She always had this shade or shadow. Of weird things. She was obsessed with gore. She was obsessed with violence. And. The only reason why she will never take it out on everybody else. Is because. She. You know. She likes to. Play and act good. And continue to play and act good. So nobody sees. Who she truly is. He always said that, he kept saying that Moxie was sort of, more or less, 
desired this darkness. Like, she always was sympathetic to villains of horror movies. Every horror movie, she was sympathetic to the villain. Standing if they had good mental health, if they took care of themselves more often, maybe maybe they wouldn't be all that bad. Or maybe if the world just accepted them for the way they are, you know, things wouldn't end the way they did. She was always finding different ways to sympathize with the villains, which kind of made a lot of her friends, you know, outs her, oftentimes. Because, in a sense, it was considered creepy. And, in some forms. The way she would describe scenes of horror movies was so vivid, and then she compared it to how it would be in real life. She kept comparing it to the point where it started to freak out a couple of her friends, and... Miko and a few of their neighborhoods people I like the people in the neighborhood were the only friends she got it's kind of a reason why she became so much of a loner in that sense Mercy finally spoke out of all the people that spoke in the room and said that sounds very lonely I wonder how it will feel, knowing that you're going to be that alone, just because of the way you are. She must have got lonely at one point. Mika shrugged. Yeah. All those pets are not going to keep you happy forever. No matter how much they adore you, Beck. Finally, the realization from the last screech of a bird. Mika turned his head and saw that Rika had the bird that Maxi had. When they all turned to Rika, she responded. What? I couldn't just leave that poor thing in there. It's gonna starve. She had a bunch more in there. Somebody even volunteered to go in there and feed it once in a while. The problem is we can't really cross the barrier. I managed to get the bird because it was already outside. The cops cleared it out and said we could just take care of the animals for a bit. We just need to not go inside the house for a while. Jessie felt bad. She had at least, what, ten pets in there? Two turtles. One bird. Three dogs. Three guinea pigs. 
and one kitty. He's got a bunch of heads, and they all must have been starving. Fortunately, a few neighbors offered to babysit the pets for a little while until relatives would come and take the house for a while. All the tests have been, like, all the pets have been tested already, so it was sort of like a waiting game until a relative came to the house to collect the things or move in there just to collect the stuff. You know, just the simple, normal stuff. It wasn't until Raven revealed a piece of information. A piece of information that needs to be said. <laughs> she had a brother. At one point. Who has a family. Like, uh, like just a brother. I know her brother for a while. He's pretty nice. And an actual nice person. Ah, uh, it's just that... He's kind of weird. You know, like Moxie wears her crazy under her sleeves. This fool wears his crazy as his leaves. <laughs> He's just goofy. And just as much of a nerd as she is. He'll be here soon. I think he has a family. I don't know. To be honest, it's been a while. Jazzy asked, So is she. is he gonna stay over and collect her things? From what I've heard, the fashion world has not been doing well for him. He might as well be moving in. Temporary, until he finds a new place. Ironwave, he's hoped to keep her image alive and continue to take care of her pets, in a sense. If I'm lucky or if I'm guessing, I have no idea if I'm going to be right or not. He has a twin brother as well. So... They might not, he might not be entirely alone in that house. Rika joked, It's not entirely right to, you know, be in the house where your sister could have possibly been murdered. That's not going to be good for your psyche. Mercy brings up, If I were them, I would try to figure out how my sister was killed. And how she disappeared for so long. Without anybody noticing. Think about it. This is a very quiet neighborhood. No one says a pee. People walking on the town. 
you know, somebody had to hear something. Jazzy took a sip of her tea. Mercy took a sip of her tea. Enrica and Mika just looked at each other for a moment and thought, Hey, that is true. Somebody had to hurt something. How does somebody, like Moxie, disappear somehow in the middle of the night, somehow over time, and nobody goes over to notice? She's friends with just about everyone in the neighborhood. She's sweet and kind. She has pets that wander in and out. How did no one notice anything? I'm pretty sure you can hear somebody getting chopped up somewhere in a quiet neighborhood. Hear somebody screaming, crying for help. How? And it's a how that fuels the constant question. We'll know soon enough. This has been ML. Have a wonderful evening. Hello, this is the ML Podcast. <sighs> Love me to death. They finally moved in. Like, two days like two days I believe so an entirety of a week because three days ago they made it into a crime scene and they finally were able to move in to get her stuff almost the next day her two brothers were Jim and were Jin and Rin not Jim but Jin and Rin and uh Jin was an asshole but he had a good heart and was stubborn when he had his mind on something. Rin was a sweeter of the one. He had dirty blonde hair while his brother had lighter hair. His brother's girlfriend also came along. So she currently lives with them. She always had a good relationship with Moxie. They used to talk a lot. Especially about cartoons that she used to love as a kid. Unfortunately, hearing news of her supposed death, they still haven't identified the body yet. But everybody suspects it's her. And it broke all of them, kind of. It made Jin a little more stubborn. Ran a little more closed off. And Monica concerned about what she left behind. She left behind a viewership that loved her. Since she was a streamer of news. Especially for the youth. She left behind a BF who 
adored her. But, yeah. She left behind two wonderful brothers who adored her. And she was the only family left. Not surprisingly, two days into their move, they got an unexpected news. Monica was watching the news and she immediately called Rin and Jin and they watched together. As the news had announced that the body that was found in Moxie's yard was in her. That was a moment of silence just in sheer shots. There was a body in the yard, but it wasn't her, which is a good thing. But why was there somebody else's body in her yard? The, the periodical question just kept popping in Jin's mind and Monica's mind, but Rin was just cheering that it was not hers. And he immediately runs to unpack her stuff, or some of her stuff, and just puts them back where they were. He was a mess for the past two days. And knowing that it's not his sister, and his sister could possibly be still alive, was enough. But that wasn't all the news. No, 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 no. That wasn't all the news that popped up in that kind of area. They were saying more as well. And they said they just found Moxie. Yes. I see you see my, my birds cheering also. <laughs> they found Moxie. She's alive. They found her and uh she's quite traumatized. Uh they found supposedly they found her on the side of the road. Covered in rags. They wouldn't release much more detail other than that. Because again, privacy issues. Um, but they did announce that they found her. She's at a hospital two towns down. Far away from them. For some apparent reason. And people... You can hear people like cheering outside in the neighborhood. That they found her. Because again, she was loved. I must cover my bird. I'm sorry. They were happy. They were cheering. The neighborhood people were cheering. People like in the neighborhood were cheering that, you know, she was okay. She was well loved. What gets even more freaking great news. Rox starts calling uh, Monica. And Monica answers, and uh, who Rox is, it's uh, Rox is uh, Moxie's BF, it's her boyfriend, and uh, he's like the editor for their online channel that they're on. Um, he does all the editing and sound stuff, <laughs> and he sets up all the equipment. 
you know, he'd be, he'd basically the, the editor. He's like computer guy. While uh, she does the informative news and does all the research and stuff, finds all the videos, and all he has to do is edit it. Yeah, it's, they work together. It's it's amazing. And he says he's at the hospital with her, and he tells Monica the location of the hospital so she can send Ren and Jin to go. He would have called them, but they kind of don't know him, or they just don't remember him. He remembers Jin and Rin, but for some reason, they don't know who he is. Despite him looking exactly, almost exactly the same as Inamoli does. Um, he hasn't changed a lot. I mean, he changed a lot. <laughs> like a shit ton. But he hasn't changed that much. Anyways, but uh, yeah, Monica tells them and then um, they go to the hospital while Monica stays behind and takes care of um, Moxie's and Rox's babies, which is the pets, essentially. They have like two birds and she, the turtles and the dogs. So she stays behind to take care of her pets. Because these are like her babies and if anything happens to them while they're at the hospital. Or in case they need anything, she can go over there and drop off the stuff, essentially. So she's like... Essentially she stays behind so she can help, help out. So that way when she comes back, you know, she has nothing to worry about. Um, yeah, Monica's considerate like that. She, she is considerate like that. Like, it's not that she didn't want to go to the hospital. I promise you it's not that. She wanted to go. But, you know. This is Moxie. And Moxie loves her pets more than anything. So, when it comes down to it, she'll stay behind. For them. At the very least. And, uh, yeah. They drive off. And, uh, pe they can see some people are actually coming outside. Some were crying. And, uh, they see Jazzy. Jazzy was so like absolutely happy. She was like, she was crying, but it was happy tears because like, oh my god, they found her, and it was absolutely amazing. It, it felt, it felt like a sigh of relief. Like, oh my god, she's safe. She's safe. She's found. Because, uh, yeah, she was, again, she was well-loved in the neighborhood. Despite her being a nerd and a loner, she was still well-loved. She was nice. She was a kind of hard person. And, uh, her and Rox were, like, the best couple ever. Like, the, the people that you hang around with constantly and shit. But, yeah. It was amazing news that they got. But there's still a lingering question. Why was there a dead body in her yard? And that's the question that peeved over uh, Mika's mind when he called Rox. Turns out uh, he wasn't the only one. Rox wasn't the only one that she worked with. She also worked with uh, Mika. Mika. 
at some point. And Mika calls Rocks and says, I heard, like, on the news and stuff, like, are you, are you guys okay? You guys need anything? And I said, no, no. And it sounded like Rock's also been very sad. Like, you can tell in his voice that he was quite upset when um they found the body. The reason why you didn't see him before and why he was never brought up, because he wasn't in the town at the time. He was still looking for her. And when he heard the news that they found a body in her yard, he kind of bugs us apart like Rin. It's like, but when he heard the news that they found her, she found her in a hospital nearby him, and he was like, he he went to the hospital immediately. He did not care. He just dropped all his things and just went to the hospital immediately. And um, Mia asked the question like, did the cops tell you who the body was yet? And Rox responded, Look, man, for, like, Roxy told me something. I don't know if it's panning out yet. I don't know if the cops know. I told them what she said when she was talking to me, but they're still going to look into it. So, we won't get any answers until later. And then Mika responds, "Okay, then what exactly did they tell? What exactly did she tell you?" And his response was, um, "She told me. She she more or less whispered it to me, and uh, that it was um, it was Juliet." She kept whispering, it was Juliet, it's Juliet. Help Juliet. Please help Juliet. She kept whispering that, I never knew understand why. Mika asked, who's Juliet? Rocks, oh, sighed a little, um, you know who she is. Mika remembers a story that Rox told her, told him, sorry, not Mika, keep mixing up genders, I'm sorry, him, and it was a story about Juliet, and Juliet was Rox's ex, his crazy ex, who constantly comes to their house and bothers them. And, uh, constantly wants to go back with rocks. Despite rocks saying, like, dude, no, not happening. Mika responds, oh, that Juliet. Why would she be buried there? Rock says, I don't know. We're not going to know anything until the investigation is over. Mika says his warm regards and hangs up the phone and thinks to himself. 
Why would Juliet body, chopped up body, be there? It's a question that's gonna remain in their minds for a while. But until then, they can enjoy this moment, this solid relief, this hopeful relief that Max, Moxie boy. Is safe and sound. That's the end of it. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, um, I do not currently live alone, which results in the sounds in the background. You're gonna hear people in the background. You're gonna hear a shit ton of people. You're gonna hear kids giggling. So, I'm sorry for that unfortunate thing. You're also gonna hear animals in the background. Thank you for your patience. Will we know why she was there? Probably in the next episode. Bye bye. Hello, this is the ML Podcast. Today we'll be talking about love me to death. We're continuing on the story because guess what? Moxie is back. And she's a little jumpy. Even during the question asked to her, like, she was a little jumpy. But she managed to answer as many questions about Juliet, the person she was most concerned for. Because that was the last person she saw. Right before she disappeared. And her remains were just randomly found in her yard. Of course, so. When the police questioned her about it, she answered every single question. As best as she could. They didn't tell her that Juliet was dead or that they found her in the yard, but... They did tell her that Juliet was also missing, so they kind of kind of had to lie. Because she was already messed up in the head, and she was already freaking out. And, um... It wasn't until she was done answering questions that they felt the need to be honest and actually tell her what exactly happened to Juliet. Um... But, uh, Rox stopped them before they could say anything. Because, you know, you don't want to fuck her up even more. Like, mess up her head even more by telling her that. Also, you shouldn't withhold that information, but, you know. Yeah, it's a tough situation, because she was already fucking traumatized. And she was more worried about Juliet than anything else. In a sense. Now, who is this mysterious Juliet? Uh, she is Rox's ex-girlfriend. You see, uh, Juliet was kind of crazy. Not too crazy as in, like, you know, but fucking insane will kill somebody. More like crazy in the sense where she will ruin your fucking car. <laughs> she would throw eggs in your house. She She was known to harass the shit out of Moxie. And Moxie didn't really have anything against her. 
Matter of fact, Moxie was okay with her around. It just proved a sense of normalcy. You see, Moxie lived a boring life. She just streamed on her stream and she lived a simple life. And she had a good heart, honestly. So when freaking Julieta comes in here and throwing eggs in her house and shit, she didn't really care much. She was more worried about her. There was an instance where um, <laughs> she was egg bombing freaking Moxie's house and then like a car nearly hits her. It wasn't until Moxie pushes her out of the way. Moxie broke her leg for that girl who just threw eggs at her house. And the chick still goes at it, but you know. Moxie did save her life. And there was other more times, like there was a time where uh, the cops were about to arrest her for breaking into freaking Moxie's home. And Moxie's like, uh, please don't. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure this was a warning enough. She didn't do it again, but you know. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I think the only time Moxie ever got really pissed at Juliet was the time it, an egg cracked on her bird's cage. And that's when she got mad. Because, you know, they're scaring her birds. They're her babies. And, uh, freaking Moxie did the most... She did something she will never do, and which is grab a rock and flung it at Juliet. <laughs> because, hey, us pet moms, we are we are considered like moms, except with pets, as you can see. If you can hear my dog, I got you. You want to be in the bed too. <laughs> As you can see, us pet moms or pet dads, you could be pet dad, are really overprotective over our pets. Like, genuinely overprotective over our pets. Anyways, but uh, yeah, the. We got really well protected over our pets, so I don't blame her for just flunging a rock straight at freaking Juliet for that. But, you know, other than that, she never really had any built-in hatred towards her. So, that's why she was kind of worried about her when she died. Or supposedly when she went missing or something happened to her. She did uh, answer what did happen to Juliet. Um, you fucking girl. Never have a plate full of food on a bed. Especially if your dog's on it. <laughs> Lesson be learned. Biggest mistake in your life. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. She did mention what happened to Julianne, and what happened was the lights went out. It was a whole blackout on the day she went missing. And, um, Moxie was in the dark. And then, again, Ju Juliet did something illegal and broke in. And this time, Moxie got scared, but she didn't really fire her, and she was like, Julia, are you okay? 
Dude, this bitch just broke into your house. And you're asking her if she's okay. But yeah, she was so concerned. Like, oh. Like, she thought it was a burglar. Like, a natural burglar. Breaking into her house. But no, it was Julia. And she was like... When they first, like, met. She was like, uh... Like, oh my god. Julia, don't scare me like that. <laughs> you know, she your house I mean come on <laughs> and I guess Juliet dropped her anger and frustration because turned out the lights out everywhere and you know not like you can <laughs> so it was like two people who I guess once had like one-sided rivalry I mean one-sided rivalry working together for like five minutes or so because they were wandering to the basement, and since freaking Juliet had the only good eyesight, and poor uh, poor Moxie didn't, she kind of had to guide her to the downstairs, to the basement, in order to turn the lights back on, or see if she could turn, turn on the backup generator that they have. When they went down stairs, freaking, um... And they went back downstairs. They heard a sound. And uh, Julia asked, like, Do you have any rats up here? Down here? Like, like, you keep this house clean. And freaking uh, Moxie was like, uh, Yeah, we do. But this is a suburban neighborhood. Rats are just bound to come. Then out of nowhere, they heard another sound that was like glass breaking. And Juliet actually had a freaking handgun. She had pulled out her gun, and she she was heat. She was packing heat, and um, freaking uh, these girls. Because guess what? Freaking. Moxie had a freaking tiny katana. <laughs> she had a tiny katana hanging in the basement. Uh, you see, the basement is like a living room down there. It's basically your equivalent to a living room. Because it's colder there and everybody could just sit there and chill. So, she, she grabbed the katana that was hanging on the freaking wall. It was, it was freaking Rox's katana, I guess. And um, held it too. And they were, like, really prepared to fight. They were prepared to box out whoever entered the house. And, uh... Turns out it was a cat. Yeah, it was just a cat. Leaped onto the floor and it was injured. And freaking Moxie dropped her guard. Put down the katana like a fucking dumbass. And went to go help the kitty. Juliet just held her gun to her side and just, like, Put her hand in her hip like, oh, really? A fucking cat? Over here getting us paranoid? And then I'll know where Julia gets knocked out. And you can hear her like, get her head bashed in, like almost bashed in. Like, bah, like a freaking hard duck. You know how you drop something heavy? But it doesn't break 
Like if something heavy but it doesn't break, bah. Like grr. Like you could just hear like the heart of fucking grass. That's essentially what the sound was when uh, she got smacked. And Moxie grabs her the katana right in her side and she she, had, she couldn't see anything and then I don't know where um she gets um also like bot in the head but she's still awake she was still conscious and she managed to kick somebody in the groin for it um but the i guess the person the intruder uh got her back and hit her in the face really hard and um and uh freaking roxy um not roxy um Freaking, uh, Juliet, yeah, Juliet gets the fuck up. And she tries to be a hero to this once enemy. Jumps on the freaking intruder. Bites him in the shoulder and the neck. And it... Then, like... This is just a... Not like a flashback. This is not a re-intelling story. Just no, uh, freaking Moxie's blind. So I'm just telling you this story because, you know. This is her section. And, uh... She gets pummeled to the ground. And, uh... That was whatever was left of, uh... That Moxie can remember. Other than that, she couldn't remember anything. Because she was bleeding out. And, you know, she could barely see freaking Juliet fighting. And then, like... Fucking passes out. Uh... And, like... She never knew what happened to Juliet and if she was okay or not. Uh, unfortunately, um, she didn't know who or the intruder looked like because again, it wasn't a fucking blackout and it was in a basement. It was just nothing there, like literally in a dark ass basement. The only glimmer of light was a fucking window, a small window. So, yeah, she couldn't really see anything and know what he looked like. But she did hear his voice. She told the police, and she would remember it if she heard it again. And, um... Then I already asked her questions of, like, where the hell were you? Or, like, where were you gone for two months? And, uh, she explains... That... She was in a wooden box of sorts and was being fed from the top of the box. The thing is, she couldn't see who was feeding her because, again, she, she wore glasses, alright? And she had really bad eyesight, so she could only see blur, but she did see the person's hand, kind of, maybe? So it was... It was kind of difficult to point out. She couldn't see their face, but she did. She had to squint real hard to see a logo for a factory of some sorts. Um, muffin factory. It's what her father used to work in. But she don't. She don't know anything else other than that. And um, she finally escaped by because uh, a coworker or somebody who worked in the factory. Uh, opened the crate and she booked it 
out thinking it was the intruder and she was trying to <laughs> she was trying to attack the person who opened the box because she couldn't tell if it was the intruder or not or the person who kidnapped her in the first place and uh she ended up wandering onto the road fortunately she didn't get hit by a fucking car she nearly got hit by a semi <laughs> She, she she nearly got hit by a semi, and then it finally the truck stops before it pushes her. It really bumps her into the floor, and like helps her up. Like the fool got out of the car to help her up, and uh, they they call the police on shit, and you know that's how she ended up in the way she is. Uh, but yeah, she she doesn't know what reason she was getting held hostage for. She just never talks to the person or interacted. They never. Like, they just hand her food, and that's it. It was weird. It was really weird. Um, and very traumatic. I mean, I, like, imagine that. Imagine you being put in the box, just leave, leaving in there, and then, like, I don't know where fucking somebody opened the lid. You fucked that the fuck up. <laughs> uh, it's worse if she didn't have a vision. Yeah, unfortunately. Anyways. Um, and, uh, yeah, when when she gave that information to the police, I, I guess they didn't really have much to work on, but they at least they have some sort of like sense of like how to get the suspect. They just need her to listen to him again and see if they can spot him. I guess they just don't really have much of a well, suspect other than going back to the factory and stuff. While they're doing the investigation, I guess, they were done asking her questions and shit, um, a few days, well, like, two to three days, um, she was finally able to release because, again, she didn't really have any injuries, um, the kidnapper never did anything to her, and basically, like, just, the only thing she had were a couple scars and, like, Maybe a cut on her foot that got healed very fast. But other than that, she was basically fine. And, um, they finally released her from the hospital to go take her back home. And, um, it was kind of hard because during those two days, they finally tell her what, like, the friends and family finally tell her that, uh, what exactly happened to Juliet. And, uh, she felt bad. Uh, she felt sad. So she, during that whole time when she came back, she was like, kind of sad. Most of the time, she was she was really sad because again, uh, she had nothing against Julianne. Julianne actually tries to save her, and um, it's heartbreaking. It's kind of heartbreaking if you think about it, because you know, it's like, yeah, like I don't hate her. I never hated her, and. It's like losing a friend, maybe not like a close friend, but it was losing a friend nonetheless. And it kind of hurts knowing that the last moments were freaking Julia trying to do something good for once in her life. And they hit fucking monster at Picker. So she was wandering around the house because I, I guess Monica hugs her. Monica runs up to hug her. The first thing she did. And she also had, like, a freaking, um, the turtle, a turtle in her hand, because she was also washing the turtle. She was 
Washing the turtle with the toothbrush. Here's a fun fact about turtles. To interrupt you with the sadness. You do not, like when you wash a turtle, you use a regular toothbrush. You buy, no, you buy one first. One that you're not using. <laughs> of course. And buy it for the turtle. And just scroll them out. Don't scroll them out too hard. Be like, just be gentle because they do like back rubs. So, but scrolling enough to get the whatever, like whatever's on their backs, because they can get some mold stuff on their backs, and it can cause some really bad infections. It could mess up their shell. Uh Also, be careful and stay away from their mouths, especially if you have a turtle that bites. So, uh, when you're holding them, stay away from their mouths and make sure you're using a cloth because them turtles got claws. That's a fun fact from turtles. Thank you. Anyways, so she was holding a turtle and a toothbrush because she was cleaning the turtle. And she showed a freaking uh, Moxie that her turtle's safe and sound, just like her other pets are. And, um,. Moxie was happy that her babies were okay, but, uh, still, again, still, like, the trauma was kind of enough to, like, make her, like, feel, like, not really alright. And, uh, what makes things matters even better for her, I guess, uh, Monica also fixed her glasses. They were broken in the basement. Like, they were in a drawer. They they were, like... I guess when the cops came to investigate where she was, they didn't see that she had broken glasses. They were pushed underneath the drawer cabinet when she was cleaning. And I guess Monica picked them up and tried to fix them. Uh, she changed the lens and everything. When um Moxie put them on, she can see that uh, Monica changed a lot. Her brunette hair is now blonde, and it's like a dirty blonde, kind of brunette, dirty blonde kind of hair. And uh, she wore a tank top majority of the time, and it, sweatpants. <laughs> I'm like basic. <laughs> basic is beautiful. She still was pretty, and uh, and um. Finally, uh, she freaking Moxie goes to see, like, she gets a glimpse of the backyard and sees that there are, like, dirt patterns, like, dirt pile up. And, um, I think that's where they found the pieces of, uh, Juliet. Those little dirt holes. Those little dirt piles, she sees them and... Yep, that's where they found her. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to... not going to... Might not... It might, might be planning to move out. <laughs> because who the fuck would live with that? Um, and, uh... She just thought about the last moments of Julia and, like... The flashbacks of her, like, literally attacking the freaking kidnapper. And seeing 
like at least her getting puzzled to the ground and then just seeing the dirt and she finally fell on her knees and started to cry and um everybody had to comfort her and stuff it was it was quite a sad moment it was quite a sad moment again she never hated the person to begin with and always considered them acquaintance at times. So the factor that this person just like dies a few moments after you finally had like a a moment of you know just normalcy like oh like you finally see I die then only to have your quote unquote rival just kick the bucket after you had a moment of like seeing I die. It's just it hurts. It hurts. And you would say, oh, I, I always hated my worst enemy or I hate my worst rival. But you just know, when you finally see eye to eye and you finally get to know them and then all of a sudden they leave this world, they just leave you behind. That's some dead fucking, that's some demon uh, slayer shit. <laughs> Because you know they hit you. They hit you. Especially with the latest movie. They hit you. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't seen the Demon Slayer movie. You're going to fucking cry. Make sure you get some tissues. Because you're going to fucking bawl. <laughs> you're going to cry. <laughs> if you don't cry on this. You're going to cry on that. Because every moment you spend with a person. You don't know how long you got. So, be welcoming, not to every fucking stranger, please, just don't. But be welcoming and open-minded, because in a few moments, you can either go, or they can go. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the message in the story, like, a few moments, I'm sorry for that screaming, a few moments, you, you can lose somebody. It could be somebody you love or somebody you hate. So try to be open-minded to that. That is the ML Podcast. Have a good evening. Hello, this is the ML Podcast. Love me to death. We continue the story with... Rocks. Putting away some sound equipment since he didn't think they, they would need it for a few while, or at least for a short while. Moxie told him to stop. Why are you putting all this stuff away? Rocks responds. Because. You, you kind of been through a lot, and you know it's. We just need to stay away from it for a bit. Focus on your recovery. We won't be off for so long. Moxie responds. I feel like I need this. Moxie responds, as he sits down with her and. 
held her on her shoulder and then hugged her. You don't need to start again right now. It's too much pressure. And then there's going to be so many questions. And then I'm going to stop bothering you over it. She held his hand and said, I'm much stronger than you may think. And they need me more. Rock's response, again, I don't think this is a good idea. Moxie pleaded. I need this right now. It may be the only normalcy I have. He shrugged. Fine. But we start next week. Not this week. Alright? Give yourself a few days. To... To, uh... Recover. Their relationship can best be described as the nerd and the goth, in a sense. Freaking, uh, we need to take a break from this sadness and depression because, you know, it kind of hurts. So, I'm going to give you a few more info on who they were. Had some sense. Or who they are. Before they were just known as. Just typical. Streamers. Way before this incident ever happened. They were just regular streamers. They post videos about news, local news, like pageant, cake eating, simple stuff. They also do movie reviews on horror movies, freaking animes, cartoons. And what got the majority of them together was the fact that Rox had a crush on Moxie. After they started this thing, they were originally best friends and often had sleepovers together. They often talk a lot. Rox used to do her hair because <laughs> he always liked to play around with hair. Um, they painted each other's nails. It was just, they were able to have fun together. And at first, Moxie wasn't really 
interested, but she didn't want to reject her best friend. And she didn't want to embarrass her best friend or do anything to shame them. So, she agreed to go on a date. And something clicked. Their friendship grew. And over time, they were confirmed, but they started to build on a relationship, in a sense. Especially after Wax came out, it was just basically breaking heaven to them. Like a heavenly relationship. It was a relationship built on trust and work. Built on trust and just work. And if Moxie didn't take the chance, she would have got the way she was. Yes, she was a loner. Yes, she was by herself. But was Roxy? She never felt so alone. She calls him Roxy sometimes. Get it? Roxy and Moxie. But he was truly uh, her strength in some sense. And just like Moxie feels like Roxy's his strength. And uh. Rox felt, um, like, Moxie was absolute freaking angel and an absolute queen. This, let's just say, um, I will go on a full-fledged banter on, um, Rox's character design. I'm sorry for the birds. First of living with animals. Never a quiet moment. Never a dull moment. They're communicating. <laughs> They're sending each other signals. Anyways. Get one. Okay. Anyways. So. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna just go on a full blood banter on who, how the fuck he dresses. Because Fool is a goth, but he's also a geek. Just like Moxie, he's a geek. And why well, I call him a goth? Because he dresses like one, dude. He has. Like, those jeans that are ripped, that have holes in them, like the ripped jeans. He often is either wearing a hoodie, a black hoodie, or a black shirt with a skull on it. Or like a band tag or something. Last time he had a horror movie thing on it. He often wears shirts with different like horror movie or gut, like blood design. Because he's a weirdo about gore. And when I mean a weirdo, I mean obsessed with gore and violence. Like he doesn't watch a movie... That's chill unless he's watching it with Moxie. Other than that, he'll sit through that movie. <laughs> like, you want him to sit through um, freaking Sharknado. You have to get Moxie to watch it. <laughs> you won't watch it unless Moxie watches it. And, uh, man, this fool is just fucking weird about, like, horror movies. Like, 
he's not weird like a normal geek would because i know what i'm a normal geek uh he's a weirdo in the sense where he takes things to a literal account um like say if there's a scene where a person's getting their head chopped off or something he would say that's fake because when you chop off a real hand it's like breaking through the bone and meat and he would get into full fucking detail on how to sever somebody's arm for an hour or he would get into full detail on how to get away with murder and he'll get into full detail on how to properly kidnap and manipulate somebody's mind he was fucking weird okay <laughs> he's a fucking weirdo for that because he takes it to a whole nother level, which often freaks out uh, some of Moxie's friends who are like, Oh, you came in? Are you going to plan that? Like, uh, they often joke, like some of her friends would often joke, especially Mika, saying, uh, If you, there's ever a serial killer in their small town, uh, most likely pointing it at Rox. <laughs> because most likely Rox is probably the one who fucking did it. <laughs> Because he has more of, like, knowledge <laughs> to get away with it. And it's just like, they make jokes about it. They make jokes about it, saying, like, if there's a real killer in the suburban house or suburban area, uh, blame it on Mox. <laughs> because most likely he's the one doing it. He's the first suspect. <laughs> like, seriously. They joked around. And, um, and the cops do investigate my rocks as well before, like, you know. They, they're done investigating they were basically rocks too but uh yeah thanks to those jokes and thanks to those rumors and uh yeah it, it, it's like Rox is a character whose personality is like complete opposite of what Moxie is Moxie's a sweetheart has a kind heart she's a generous person she loves animals she loves everything but she's being the most gruesome person or like a person who's like disturbing as fuck. <laughs> because it doesn't get up to that point where Rox becomes weird. It gets to another point where Rox becomes weird. Um, he's often known to be weird around Moxie. And in a sense where he is often either overprotective or overcaring. And um... And is often was deemed violent towards his exes. It was more or less because he had like hot temper during his like time period. Um, at like at that time period specifically, it wasn't until he met Moxie that he stopped being hot tempered because he had to take care of himself. But he been known to threaten people and often pulls out a switch but he again he has a fucking wall full of katanas in his basement which is like the living room slash living room he's fucking wall full of katanas uh he dated the girls who carried guns and he knew how to use one but never owned one uh he always felt like that was a pussy ass shit um i don't know why but he just always did and uh He's also been known to uh, carry around a crowbar if someone tried to mess with him. 
he's also been known to have a habit of like carrying around sharp objects. And he's been known to also do something creepy towards Moxie that's fucking creepy. I mean, if you have somebody who does this to you, uh, <laughs> um, still talk to them about it. Like, uh, can you stop? <laughs> so what he does to Moxie is he oftentimes or not watches her sleep. Not like... Not like, oh, like, they're cuddling and stuff. No, he literally, not in a romantic way, he just watches her sleep at some points. Like, and then, like, just messes with her when she's sleeping. And, uh, she's a deep sleeper. Nothing will nothing will wake her up. If she was knocked out or, like, sleeping, you can carry her ass <laughs> All the way to her bed. And she will be dead. She would just be completely still sleeping. And would have no recollection of it. And um. He often is seen like watching her sleep. He's often poking or prodding at her. Often feeling her when she's asleep. And you know. Um. I believe Jin recorded one instance where he was, and it wrote Jin out, and it got him to a full fledged That's kind of reason why Jin and him don't have much of a much of a. There's there's a reason why there's hate, <laughs> underlining hate or anger. It's more or less because Jin is also like or protective of his sister, so he's like, the fuck. You weirdo. <laughs> and it's just... It's kind of one of those things. Um, there was one point where... Uh, he's seen playing around with a pocket knife of his. By my like by uh, Monica. And Monica, like... He was goofing around with Monica. And uh, I think at one point. And he just walks up to her and just pretends to shank her. And like... And she, she starts getting scared because, again, he's holding a real knife. And she starts getting scared and, like, hey, stop doing that. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Please. And he just plays around with her. And I guess she trips and she freaks out and she just leaves. It's it's essentially... Rox is a fucking weird. Okay, what I'm trying to say is Rox is a fucking weirdo. He's kind of a creep. Uh, so it's kind of shocking for everyone to see uh, Moxie dating this dude or hanging around this dude for like a long ass time or like just seeing this dude like affectionate because they know who the fuck he is you know he's a fucking weirdo he's a weirdo he... he's cute though he, he's actually really attractive but he's a fucking weirdo <laughs> um and how does Moxie feel about all this she doesn't really mind you see if like i mentioned earlier if you remember the thought i brought up where she's mostly sympathetic to just like villains horror movie villains make her brought up and she had this weird kink about it it's not like a kink but like a thing about like horror movie villains or creepy villains or people who come off as disturbing or unnerving like she has a weird 
sympathy or empathy bar for them, in a sense. And uh, that's kind of the reason why, uh, like, like people ask her, like, why, why you still date this for like? Because in, in her response, she's like, I love him, I care about him. And but like secretly, Mika knows that it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird kink that she has. So essentially, it makes sense why she would date him from a mental level because she she likes that stuff. Um, but like, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a point <laughs> in some sense. Either way, it's it's her business, not <laughs> her business, her character business. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oftentimes, and he's really nice though. He's really nice. He's a really nice, generous person still. And I know I'm talking and saying he was a fucking weirdo and creep. He is. He's a fucking weirdo and creep. But only towards Moxie. For some period reason, he doesn't do that shit to anybody else. Like, he doesn't scare and harass the friends or like that much. He's just weird like that. And, uh... he He's creepy in a sense where he's only creepy towards Moxie. And I, I guess he knows... I guess there's some mutual agreement. Not, uh, not, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, he often is, comes off as nice or often over, like, caring. He's just, he's weird. Anyways, uh, they go downstairs because, guess what? Freaking somebody was calling Moxie and Moxie going on the stairs and she picks up the phone and she hears a male voice sounding similar as the one from the intruder. And this one said, Hi, baby. How are you and your brothers doing? She dropped the phone. She recognized the name. She recognized the person. She instantly found out and remembered who they were. She just could never see him. She could never spot them, but she knew who it was. She knew this person for a long ass time. She knew him since the day she was born. She knew him when she was growing up. She knew him throughout her whole life. She hung up the phone and then immediately called the police. She told him a name. But we'll save that for the next one. I got you with a cliffhanger. Uh, I'm pretty sure y'all you solved it through the dialogue, but you know. I got you with a cute finger. <laughs> uh, have a good evening. This has been the ML Podcast. Da, 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 da